would not just go and make more room. We would not just try to get more creative and squeeze more people in here because we felt like the model uh, was to send out. The, the model of, of church expansion and church growth was to, to send out, not to build up bigger. That's just how we felt. And so when we started saying this, well, what does the Bible say? Like we, We've had this plan from the, from the beginning. North Hills, we hadn't been shy about it. We've, we've at times not said it out loud as much. Um, but we have had this plan to, to send out, to, to go and start new works, uh, to revitalize, to plant churches. Uh, that's been from the beginning. And we decided, like, Obviously, we we missed something. If 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 our congregation here is having concerns over this, maybe we need to go to the scriptures and see what is up. And so, for the next three weeks, three sermons set. Today, you get me. Sorry. Um, next week, you get John. Great. The following week, you'll get Ryan. Awesome. Um, but today, we are going to set the foundation. Today we're going to look at the first two chapters of Acts. We thought that there was no better place, right? I mean, this is the beginning of the church. Like, the church as we know it, New Testament church, believing church, people that are following Christ, Christ Christ-following churches. Um, I don't personally don't think that you can call it a church if it's not a Christ-following body. Uh, It's not a church at that point. But... We're going to look here at the foundation, and the following two weeks, we will look more specifically at the outworking of that foundation. Uh, So I want you to make sure that you get this. Like Today, you're not going to get a full-blown picture of a a biblical view of church planning. Uh, That's not what today is about, but that's what the totality of our sermons will be. So come back for the next two, please. Um, That means you, Solomon. I saw you up here. You got to come back next two weeks. Are you good? All right. Uh, y'all make sure that you, all right, once you're a member, once you're a part of North Hills, you're always a part of North Hills. And so, um, Solomon, <coughs> thank you for being here this morning. Um, make sure y'all shake and hug his neck uh, after service. Um, but, no, don't shake his neck. Shake. <laughs> I was up for a couple of hours last night coughing a lot, so uh, you'll have to forgive that. But, um, yes, shake his neck and whatever. You get it. Yeah. So you shake his hand if you want to or wring his neck either way. It, I'm sure he'll be fine with it. He, he, he will still love you. Um, so, anyway, that's where we're at. So this morning, we're going to look at these first two chapters. Um, I want you to, to realize um, where my heart and the reason why I've wanted to get up here and be here is because over the last several months, as we've looked forward to this sermon set, I believe wholeheartedly that if we listen to this, if we see what the Scriptures say, if we take this to heart and we trust it, Um, this has the potential not just to impact us as a local congregation. This does not have just the potential to impact just your family or yourself. This has the potential to impact our community. Uh, Not just our community, but maybe our parishes, our region, uh, and the world. What 
um, this is regarding uh, has is the power of the spirit going forth in the world around us by the means of us did god has come he saved his people and he is choosing to use his people to further his kingdom to to share his gospel and we're going to see that this morning um and so as we come to this realize that i personally think that this may be one of the biggest sermon series that north hills has ever attempted uh has ever come to and so uh this morning instead of reading all of the passage like we normally do which is in this case two whole chapters uh, I'm going to read a portion at the beginning of chapter 1 and a portion at the end of chapter 2, and then we'll connect the dots along the way, okay? So if you would, turn to Second Luke. That's what I like to call it. Um, it is written by Luke, and there should have been a third book uh, that Luke did not get to. However, uh, this book of Acts uh, is officially titled the Acts of the Apostles, but we most likely would say that this is uh, the acts of the Holy Spirit here and his movement in the world. And so uh, let's look to that this morning. So we're going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 6, and read down to verse 11, and then jump over to chapter (coughs) 2. So, verse 6, So when they had come together, They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he came and when he had said these things, As they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, skip over now to the end of chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 41. Verse 41 of chapter 2 says this, So, those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And this is after Peter had preached his message. In verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And when all and all came upon every soul, and many wonders, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. <clears throat> and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Um, Father, this morning, as we look to your word, um, may you just illuminate it for us this morning. May your spirit move, Father, that um, may we trust um, what you have for us in your word. May we be able to, to lean on it and, uh, and commit to it fully. 
Father, this morning, may uh, you take this time and use it as you will. It's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. <coughs> um, you'll have to forgive me. I'm going to pop a, a halls in. All right. So, we're going to look at four things, four events. I'm going to call them events. Um, I don't know if events is the best word here, like wringing a neck. That's not the best word. But, um, or shaking a neck. Um, events may not be the best word for this. We're going to look at four different things that are happening in these first two chapters. One is the ascension of Christ. That, that was big, and we read about that when we started. The ascension of Christ, and then the coming of the Spirit, the going, the proclamation of the gospel, and then lastly, the gathering of the church. Um, there's really one other thing that happens in here, and that's the calling of Matthias uh, as the apostle that replaces Judah. Uh, Judah. <laughs> Judas. Um, y'all got to forgive me. Like, if I say something really heretical, um, y'all, somebody in this front row, raise your hand, okay? Uh, obviously, I can't speak this morning. So, um, so Matthias replaces Judas, but I believe that that actually goes with the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, so we're, we're just kind of skip over that, um, not because it's not important. It is important, um, but that's what I wanted to say before we get started is this is not a full exposition of the first two chapters. If, if we were going to take a full exposition of these first two chapters, um, you would have to pack lunch for today and tomorrow uh, to get all of that in uh, for us to look at this. So this is more of an expositional of the meta, what it, what is happening, the, the overall arching narrative of these first two chapters, and uh, ultimately pointing to the gathering of Christ's church. And so, let's look at the ascension of Christ. What has happened up until this point? I mean, this is the truth of, of Jesus' life, right? We have seen him come, walk the earth as a human being. He has showed up in his flesh He's come as a man, um, and then what happened? He lived the life that we could not live. He showed up, and he fulfilled all the prophecies that were about him. He showed himself to be not only a man, but he proved that he was God sent. He was the Messiah, the one who was has been proclaimed to come since the beginning of time. And so that's who Christ is, and then they... They killed him on a cross, and he died physical death, bodily, in the tomb, dead, dead. And then he was raised physically from that physically alive, live, like not just spiritually alive. He was actually alive back on the earth um, for some time. And we see the end of that here in chapter 1 of Acts. We get the, the very last moments of his walk on earth. And at this point, his disciples, his followers, they've, they've seen all of this. They've, they've seen his life. They've seen everything that has happened to him, uh, all the surrounding things, all the craziness that happened on the, on the day that he was killed. Um, they've, they've seen and witnessed all the miraculous things that have happened. And they ask, a question of him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And they still didn't quite get it, right? I mean, here we are, Christ is walking, and like, yep, this is it. We are 
making the kingdom happen today. Christ is going to be king forever and ever, which is actually true. He is king forever and ever. Right now, he, he is. <clears throat> he is victorious today. Um, and, but that, is not, that was not the plan. The plan was for the one to come, which was the Spirit. Um, and so Jesus calmly says, nope, you're going to receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what will happen? You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, Jesus gently points them to his plan that you're going to be my witnesses. So from where they were and to the uttermost parts, they were going to end up in places that they had no idea even existed at this point. They did not know what was going to transpire over the coming days. They, they had no idea of what the full plan of God would be. Uh, there's no way they would have been able to, to take these few sentences from our Lord and Savior and realize the, the magnitude of what was going to happen down the road and the extent that the gospel was going to go forth and that the, the extent of what Christ had done for them was going to reach the ends of the, the actual ends of the world. Um, and he was going to use them his believers, his followers, his people uh, to proclaim that to the world. And um, this is actually the very first sermon that I ever got to preach at North Hills. In October of 2011, I preached this passage. Um, I'm sure it was magnificent. Uh, and if the Lord had anything to do with it, he deleted that sermon from Sermon Audio. Um, so don't go look it up. But... Um, this passage um, is something that we could dwell on for a really long time. Um, what the Lord has done in his life and then his ascension into heaven and the fact that his followers sat there bewildered and ended up having to listen to two guys in white robes. You're like, hey, these guys are just, hey, they weren't here, and now they're here, and they're wearing white, and it's a dusty place in the Middle East. Don't you know that's going to get dirty? But they said, look, why are you looking up? Go do what you're supposed to do. Like the Lord had told them the plan. All right, game on. It's over. Christ has ascended. Now what? Now, now what is it? Do they, they go back, and they try to make sense of it all. And uh, verse 14 says, chapter 1, All these were in one accord, and they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. All of the Christ followers were together, and they were praying at this point. This is when they eventually called Matthias as the next apostle. And they gathered and they waited. They, they heard what the Lord had said, that he had come, he had done what he was supposed to do, he had saved, he had made his once-for-all sacrifice for his people, and they waited for what was to come, and that is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So Christ has ascended, now the Holy Spirit is empowering. Chapter 2, we see that in chapter 2. 
uh, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Look, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them and they immediately began to speak the truth of God. If we were to do a study of the movements of the Spirit uh, through Scripture, the movement of the the Spirit is always accompanied with truth going forth. Like, there's not a... the, The Spirit is not coming to to draw any kind of um, delusionment or any kind of extra sense of feeling or whatever, but but the the coming of the Spirit and the Spirit coming upon God's people is for the truth to go forth rightly. And that's what we see in this passage. Spirit comes. They were gathered in one place. They received the Spirit, and they ended up preaching to the nations out of Christ ascended and said, you're going to be my what? My witnesses to all these places. And lo and behold, it's the day of Pentecost. There's people from all over the world right here in Jerusalem. And what is, if you start going down the list, um, well, there's the... Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, residents from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, words I can't pronounce, Egypt, and Libya, and even Rome. That's what they say, even Rome. Um, there's Jews, and there's proselytes, there's Cretan, there's Arabians. There's all these people that have all these different native languages, and they're all hearing the gospel going forth in their own tongue. And the Spirit gave them this ability at this point. Uh, We see um, in verses 5 through 13 there that there was so much that the people are like, uh, they're they're just drunk. Like, this this is nuts. Like, we're we're hearing this. This There's no no other explanation. Like, this is an out-of-body experience. There's no other explanation. They have to be drunk. And that's when Peter stands up and does this. So we have... Christ's ascension, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and now gospel proclamation. And we have Peter's sermon starting in verse 14. And he stands up and he's like, look, these, these men are not drunk. This is early morning. We're, we're not full of wine. And he delivers to them a message about who Christ is. So Peter, by the power of the Spirit, addressed them. And this now formed crowd, he tells of the works of Christ. He tells them that they know these works. It's like in verse 22. He says, you yourselves know this. Like he's talking to people that had seen Christ. He's talking to people that had known of the works of Christ. He, they, they know where his tomb was. Like he even points out, like, we have his tomb to this day. Like it's still right there. There's nobody in it. Explain that. 
even though you guarded it, even though you had guards posted at it, there's no one in that tomb. You yourselves know this. He tells of Christ's death, burial, resurrection. And he ends his sermon this way. Verse 36 of chapter 2. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Like, he gets to the point. He's like, okay, you know the guy that you put on the cross? The guy that you called for over Barabbas' life? The ones that just a few weeks ago you were saying, give us Christ, like we want to see him dead. That guy, God has made him Lord. He is the Messiah, the one that has been proclaimed to come. Very much pointed them to the truth. Powered by the Spirit, Christ had set this foundation of what they were. He, they were Christ's followers and they were empowered by the Spirit and His gospel was going forth and He was not backing down. Peter did not back down from this and what happened. So those who received His word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000. The gospel going forth will not return void. The gospel going forth will land where it will land. The outcome of the gospel going forth is not on us. The preaching of His Word is what we are to do. The telling of of what He has saved us from and who has saved us and where our faith and our trust is. That, that is what we are called to proclaim. But the outcome of that is on Christ. And on God this day, He chose 3,000 souls to be saved. And what out of that happened? We have the first church. First local congregation. So... They set up a building that held 3,000 people, made some pews, made sure they were padded because you know we can't sit for more than 15 minutes on unpadded pews. Um, No, that's not exactly what happened. Um, But we have a gathered body of believers. Christ has ascended. He lived life that we could not He went back into heaven and sent His Spirit. His Spirit has empowered the gospel to go forth and to this day empowers the gospel to go forth. To this day, His church is proclaiming that gospel and to this day, His church is gathering. They they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to communion, and to prayer. Not unlike what I hope we are doing here this morning that we are gathered here to come around God's word to hear it not just hear it proclaimed but to understand and to trust it trust it to the extent that we follow it 
that we come together for fellowship with other believers, that we will come to the communion table and by this means of grace receive grace from the Lord and pray to our God who is sovereign. All came on every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. We see here that as they gathered, they were they were growing. They they were growing in the teaching of the apostles. They understood more and more what it meant to be a Christ follower. They were giving, they were selling possessions, and as any had need, they were um, providing for that need. Um, but they were also under full direction of the Spirit, and the Spirit was leading them to go. And it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see that the Lord instituted the church. He, he brought together the church um, immediately after, in those few days after he ascended. The church is necessary for the kingdom of God because Christ has set it up, not because we think that it's necessary. A, a local congregation is not necessary because of what an, an eldership says, not necessary because of it's practical, not necessary because it's, you know, what we think is best. Um, it's, it's necessary because this is the way our God has put this in place in, in order for us. <clears throat> so these four events show us the foundation of, of the church. The church gathering is based on what Christ has done by the power of the Holy Spirit being proclaimed in the gospel um, to the lost. That's us. Like, we're the lost. It's been proclaimed to us. Christ is our salvation. The Spirit is our guide and power. The gospel is our message. The local church is our gathering point. As a local church, we are compelled by this foundation to proclaim Him. Here at Wellerman Road to Washtenaw Parish, even into Union Parish, and to the nations. I would, and I did spend more time talking about the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost um, when I preached this message the first time, but realized that the Lord has not called us just to proclaim where it is comfortable. Not just to proclaim in what we know. Uh, he is sending them out to places that they didn't know existed, but he's also sending them to places that they knew existed that they didn't want to go. Samaria was a place that um, they would intentionally walk around, even though it cost them maybe days of time to go around and the Lord said you are going to be my witnesses there 
we must look and understand what the Lord has for us. We are His witnesses. The plan for the New Testament church is no different than that for North Hills. Proclaim Christ until He comes back. Proclaim Him here, over there, everywhere. That's it, church. That, that's, that's for today. Like The foundation of the church is Christ. The power of the church is His Spirit. And the voice is the gospel. What we will proclaim is the truth of who Christ is. Don't let this just be another sermon that says, oh, that's all right, that's good, um, that'll work. I, I think that's probably true. Um, good job. All right, we'll come back next week and hear Psalms and Proverbs. Um, I'll invite you to intently come the next two Sundays and humbly submit to the Word of God. Um, I do want to end with a thank you. Thank you, church, for gathering each week, um, devoting yourselves to the Word, to fellowship, to communion, to, to prayer. Um, the days are sometimes difficult and sometimes they're glorious, and it is great to share all of that um, with each of you. It's an extreme grace to me and my family uh, to be a part of you. It's a privilege to be one of your, your elders. Um, I hope that I never take that lightly um, because um, you do mean so much to me. Um, and I, I hope in the coming weeks, the coming days, as we look at what the Lord has that... Um, that you too will will feel um, the presence of of the Lord in a way that you can trust fully His Word. That that we can lean on His Word, and as we pray for each other, as we do fellowship together, as we come and gather each week and take communion together each week, that um, that we will realize that this is not just for us. This is for the kingdom of God. What we are doing here is not about North Hills. It is about our God who is much, 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 much bigger than this small room and this small gathering of people. May his gospel expand to the ends of the earth and may he use us to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, um, we thank you that you have given us the grace uh, to be able to to be here in the midst of a believing body that you've given us the grace to to come and each week open your word hear from it and God I, I pray that you continually turn our hearts back to it that you will uh, draw our affections and our attention back to to you and may we be able to look and trust in you. May uh, your spirit move mightily. May you open our mouths and may the gospel go forth. God, we, um, we realize that um, we have fleshly ideas and fleshly plans. God, I, I pray that if any plan that 
we ever come up with is in our flesh that you will kill it immediately that you will bring us back to your word and that you will show us your plan that you will lead by your spirit and uh, that your spirit uh, will take the gospel to the ends of the earth and we ask that you use us that you use us to take your gospel uh, everywhere that it should be which is everywhere god we love you we praise you it's in your son's name jesus we pray amen